Hello and welcome to Changes. It is Annie McManus here. Today I am bringing you a conversation that's really, really stayed with me ever since I partook in it. One of those conversations that is so thought-provoking and kind of perspective-tilting, it just blew my mind in the best possible way and gave me a whole new, deeper level of respect for my guest than I already had. Um, The guest in question is Kay Tempest. Kay Tempest is a poet, a writer, a lyricist, a performer and a recording artist. They were born in London in 1985. They still live there. At 16, they went to the Brit School in Croydon. It was kind of around then that they discovered rapping as well and found a new and very, very obsessive love for that. When they were in their early 20s, they discovered the spoken word poetry scene. And that is when change started happening for them because they started getting bookings for that and with those bookings offers to write for theatre. Since then Kay Tempest has published three plays, a novel, a book-length essay, five books of poetry and just last month their sixth book of poems divisible by itself and one was released. For their poetry they have won the Ted Hughes Award And in 2014, they were named a Next Generation Poet by the Poetry Book Society, which is a once in a decade accolade. Their books have been translated into 11 languages and published to critical acclaim around the world. And then there's the music. So Kay has released five studio albums, two of which have been nominated for the Mercury Prize. They have toured extensively, selling out shows from Reykjavik to Rio de Janeiro and have such an amazing reputation for their live shows. It was an absolute pleasure to have this time and conversation with Kay to talk about all their big changes. Kay Tempest, welcome to the podcast. Kay, you're so welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. It's quite overwhelming, even knowing where to start when it comes to interviewing you, because your brain is so prolific in terms of (laughs) of words. But I guess the best place to start is change. What's your relationship to that word? I like it. I think it's healthy. It's a good word, yeah. Good. Yeah, it's something I feel close to. When things are in flux and in transition and in motion and in movement, I feel comfortable. I think it's constant and slow, not necessarily something that you can even know when it's beginning or ending or at what point Mm. something is or isn't changing. But I feel like it's a natural condition for life, you know. Do you think that there's ways of being better at it or better at being aware of it, if you know what I mean? If you say it's there all the time. Yeah. Well, like the last record, The Line is a Curve, the whole album is about finding peace with not just what changes, but what stays the same, you know, the cycles. You you go through all this stuff mm. in your life and you find yourself repeating something that you thought was over or for yourself mm. or, or, or stuck in patterns that you, you've tried to break. And even just trying to find comfort with that, in that resolution of like, oh, I'm back here again. It's never the same. You face things differently, even if you're making the same, you know, choices or in the same patterns or it's the same. You keep doing the same thing. It's there's constantly this opportunity to refresh and mm. and to just face things in a different way. Yeah, I don't know if there's ways of being better at it or not. I just it's never yeah. something that I can easily get my head around. But it's everywhere all the time. What about writing? Has your relationship with writing changed since you started writing, I suppose? 
Yeah, I've been writing for a long time. And when I started writing, uh, I had this obsession with it, this fixation. It was like, it was the only place really that I felt um, alive, really. I like that anything really made any sense to me. Can I ask you how old you were when that happened? I was, I was um, a kid. I was right. I was a teenager when I started to speak what I was writing out loud, but I had been writing like privately right. for many years before that. Like I was right. I was always writing. I didn't know that's what it was. I didn't know I'm writing. These are lyrics. These are these are poems or these are stories. It was just something that I had. Always had a relationship with text, but. The way that it is for me now, now it's my craft. It's something that I take really seriously. I've spent 20 years studying um, and learning and listening. And I'm in a different uh, stage of, of craftsmanship. Actually, what's happened to me now is when I sit down to write, it's like being with an old friend and it's like being with somebody you've, you don't know yet, you've just met. You know, It's like, where are we going to go? What are we going to do today? The greatest part of where I'm at right now is knowing that the things that I'm trying to achieve now, it's new. I don't know if I'm able to do it. How do you live with such a kind of voraciously creative brain? Yeah, it's, it's all I know, basically. Mm. So the way that my mind works, over the years I've had to get to know like how to live with this yeah. brain that I have. And it's, it's hardcore. I feel most peace and most rest when I'm in like this constant motion when it comes to like pursuing ideas my creativity is yeah it's fierce you know it's like it wants to all the time be absorbed until at the point it gets exhausted and then I just can't everything shuts down and it's like okay okay so that does happen yeah and is that yeah. often or is that just happen once or twice it's whenever I can <laughs> Like whenever, I, whenever I possibly can do nothing, then I'm doing nothing. Like, so you're good at that. You, have you learned how you trained yourself how to do that over the years? Yeah, like I think it's easier if you're in a good place to, yeah. to be at rest. Like sometimes if you're not in such a good place, you can feel like, oh, I've let it all go. Like, what am I doing? Start attacking yourself, you know. And also writing in, in my not very long experience of it, it's... And writing novels, writing fiction, I find that I'm just in another world. I'm in that world all the yeah. time in my head. And sometimes it's, I'm just not really present, not really very good at being present. How are you with that? I've got ADHD mm. and uh, amongst whatever, like every, everyone's got a brain and everyone's brains are different. My particular brain, I've recently learned some things about it that um, mean that I can cope a bit better with, with having the type of brain that I have. And the relentlessness and the pace of it, and the hyper focus that I have for certain things yeah. means that um, it can be really hard for me to be present with other things. And it's mm. like, I find not being present really stressful. I hate it. I hate not being able to just be where I'm at and be thinking about 100,000 things. I hate being mm. stressed. I hate that. I hate anxiety. Mm. I hate it. Well, you know, mm. whatever it happens, it's in the body. But what I can say is that moments when I can just totally be present, when things quieten down a bit, I'm so happy. I'm so happy with the smallest things. Like the other morning, like I just like stole this bit of morning from like the jaws of the day. You know, we just yeah. somehow managed to like steal this little bit of time, me and my girlfriend. And I could hear her. She was in the kitchen and she was singing, um, Saving All My Love For You, you know, Whitney Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was singing it. And I could just hear her singing. I could smell the coffee. Like, the light was coming through the window. The clocks had just gone back. So it was like, yeah. um, like kind of sunrise. 
And it was just, I was so happy. I just thought, yeah. like, I literally caught myself just, like, happy. I thought, like, I was so grateful to have had this moment of, um, mm. like, no matter what else the day throws, mm. either of us, me and my partner, it's like we just got this beautiful, this moment. It's like a fortification against, you know, yeah. the yeah. stresses of the day. Yeah. And so, so cool that you can recognise how important it is and not just let it go, you know, really like bask in it. You know? Yeah, because when I'm stressed, you don't, even, you can't even notice. It's like when I'm in stress or like in anxiety or like, mm. I know that I'm, things that would normally make me feel really good, like walking in the park and looking at the trees, I just can't see anything. It's tunnel vision. Everything's like, everything's yeah. uncomfortable. Like everything's like 100,000 thoughts. I try and make decisions and it's, my mind then makes every single possible outcome of every single possible decision that could get made. I'm just swamped. Like, mm. you know, on another day, it would be simple. It'd be easy. But on a day when I'm in um, stress or anxiety, it's like, it's so frustrating because it's like in the bigger picture, like, what the f what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what's yeah. <laughs> what are you yeah. fucking doing? Like... <laughs> Well, let's get on to that first change question then, if that's okay. Sure. The biggest change that you went through in childhood, looking back, you've kind of cited two things. So tell me about them, please. Yeah, I, I thought it was a cool question to be asked. Um, mm. For me, like, the two biggest changes was starting to rhyme, discovering that lyricism, because that, that gave my life its direction and it, it gave me the life I have now. That happened at around 15 and before right. that, the probably the biggest change of my early life was puberty. Like that was, mm. um, I think for any human being, it's a tough time. But for a trans person, for a trans kid, puberty is just devastating. It's just a fucking nightmare. It's horrible, and um, it was horrible. And so, like, I think that I can under. I re now I have the perspective that I have and the understanding that I have about who I am, and and about the way that I was born which at the time I didn't have, it was just the beginning of a world of pain, you know, like, uh, because up until that point, I'd kind of lived as a boy anyway, even though I knew that I wasn't because people would tell me that. And I remember really, really young people saying like, you know, when you grow up, you're going to have a sex change. I remember there was like words like this. People knew about this stuff, but it weren't like, there was no, mm. I don't know how we knew about that, but I remember this person asked me that once, but... It wasn't, there was no dialogue, there was no understanding, like my family, my friends, my culture, the community, that nobody knew uh, in the way that I suppose they do now. Hopefully there's there's more uh, communication around the fact that some people are one gender, some people are another, some people are neither, some people are both, some people are trans, some people, you know, like, mm. I feel mm. like that's something that there's more cultural awareness of, mm. but at the time it was just... Uh, yeah, it was it was devastating. But then the two things are kind of linked because when I found music, it gave me a way out of my body mm. that was causing me so much pain and it gave me a way out of, like, being in the world as I was socialised to be in it that, that was very difficult. It gave me so much life. And yeah. that bit between puberty and finding music a lot of the, my life kind of got, my life force got sucked out of me at that point. 
but then I found it again through music and that was the beginning of me coming alive again you know yeah can I ask about pre-puberty like did you have brothers and sisters what did that look like your family when you were as a child kind of living as a boy very free (laughs) yeah uh well it was it was never like discussed it just was what I was it just was yeah yeah it just was and it was kind of I suppose it's all right up until a point people in school used to call me Kev (laughs) that was my name they used to call me Kev yeah (laughs) yeah I miss them days. It was cool. I was just this kid, you know. Like I like do. I like playing football. I like telling stories. I ha- I'm the youngest of five kids. Oh wow. We, we lived in Lewisham. I like mm. playing out on the street and going up the park and. And was there a sense of freedom just to be, just to do you? Yeah, I mean, it was like agony going to get your hair cut or go to buy clothes. That was just horrible. Okay. My mum didn't know why it was so painful for me. I took on a lot of weight. I became like very, 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 I was like a obese child. Mm. I never really talk about that, but that is a big part of what happens when you start to realise that you're in the wrong body, like the body becomes an enemy. You know, this right. is not, you realise you're not the same as other people. Yeah. Um. So by the time I hit like 10 years old, I weighed 10 stone. I was a big right. kid. Mm. That made things, you know, this, it can be difficult. It makes things difficult. You can't. You're not the same as other people. You don't have the same abilities. Mm. And so there was things that set me apart. One was that I, well, I was trans. The other was that I was big. I was also tall and big for my age, you know, like. Right. And then the the other thing was that I was like, my brain was intense. Like I was, yeah. the teachers told my folks like, oh, they that I should maybe be in a special school or something because not like necessarily special educational needs, but more because I was advancing fast and there wasn't really much for me to do in that kind of school setup. By age two, I could read. So, wow, yeah, I was always reading much further than my age. So there's things that I would just sit with a novel and read. And it was, I was odd, weird kid. But at the same time, I liked people and I liked my friends. And there was a lot of things about me that people didn't understand. You know, like just daily in the street, you know. Mm. But the people that knew me knew me and they accepted me for who I was. But it was hard to meet new people because you always have to start from zero. Like, you know, what are you? Did you have a way of kind of masking, I suppose, those feelings of confusion about who you were? A way of kind of presenting yourself in behaviourally, I mean, in school? Did you kind of overcompensate? Were you loud? Were you... Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, all that. Right. All that. But like, yeah. I think it was all pretty much blessed. It was good. It was happiness. Yeah. As yeah, I remember yeah. it until puberty. And then it was yeah. just like, now I understand it when I look back. That's when it's like, the seeds were all there. Yeah. In my childhood. But that's when like the bottom fell out of it. Compared mm. to people in my life, what they went through in their childhood. I don't want to sound like I'm saying, oh, like, blue. I had a of wonderful course. childhood. I had a beautiful, yeah. loving family. I had a lot yeah. of incredible um, support. I was in a stable environment. You know, we were, like, we were never beaten. We were never abused. Like, it's yeah. real what happens to people. And, like, I don't want to sound for a minute like I'm taking for granted or, like, trying to position myself as some somebody who has suffered when I haven't. Like, sure. it's, just, it's just that shit with the, with the body. When I think on it now, I think it's useful to say because 
I wish I'd known. I wished someone had, an elder had been able to say to me, it's all right what you are, you know. It's beautiful what you are. It's natural. You're normal. It's mm. okay. Mm. Like, mm. you don't have to fight it or be afraid or hide or run away from it or, you know, you, or just want to die. Like, it's really all right what you are, you know. So your body starts changing. How did that change you as a girl then? Or it's just a the thing, isn't it? You know, person. Yeah. Yeah, as a person, then I was I was assigned female, understood and socialized as female. I thought myself to be a girl. I was trying to be a girl. I was trying. Right. I was. So meant you were to trying be a girl. to lean into it and trying to go with the puberty, or just trying. I was just trying. It's hard. Yeah. Like you, it's not what you are, but you try. So you you t- paying attention to other people, and you just don't understand why it doesn't apply to you. I see. And then meantime, like, being estrogen dominant, I, I was never really, that probably was never meant to be my lot, but it was. And I'm glad of it because it's made me who I am and it's given me the experiences that I've had. And I'm, I'm very glad of being this person now because I have the perspective of both. I have the, ex- mm. I have the perspective, I've been gifted with the perspective that I've got, which makes me sensitive to things about gender that cis people or people that have always been confident and comfortable in their gender that they would mm. be much harder for them to have contact with and this is yeah. real like this is what we have this is the blessing of it this is why it's beautiful to have people like us in the world because there's things yeah. that we know that other people just don't know yeah. in like in ourselves in our hormones yeah. in our bodies yeah. like. anyway like i started to experience depression and i started to experience um anxieties and uh I started yeah that's when things started to be difficult in my mind basically can I ask when you you know you you said you wish there was someone around who could have just told you a little bit that you could have been a bit more knowledgeable about what was happening was there a point a kind of definitive point where you remember a kind of light going on in your head about the possibilities of you not having to present as a girl it not until like recently in my right. recent life the last the last like five ten years yeah no and I, I knew i always knew but i could never accept i had this thing of like there's no point there's no happiness for you beyond that you will never know happiness like that you will never know it this is the way you're born this is this is what you have i had just put it so buried it so deep put it so far away and i just threw myself into working into music and i was lucky to have had music i loved music and yeah. I just thought, that's what your life's for. And you as a person don't get to have feelings of vitality, but that's okay because you have creativity. Mm. And many people don't have anything to live for and you have this to live for. So I just put it away. I buried it real deep down. And uh, it was through my relationships with my partners, with my lovers that I got to know. I wasn't really mm. tuned into queer community. Mm. Uh, my friends were heterosexual men, cis heterosexual right. men, boys. Mm. They were that was, they were my people, and bless them, I love them. But you need your community, you know. Yeah. You need you need it. And my access to my community came from my lovers. You know, at first I was afraid of the queer community. I was so inter my homophobia, my transphobia was so deep, internalized so deep, like I was ashamed, you know 
of the me in them and them in me. You know, it's like yeah. you look at them, you see yourself, you feel shame, fear, yeah. resentment. Mm-hmm. Like, it is strange. I used to want to cut my hair so bad, so bad, and everyone used to say to me, like, don't do it. It was my only thing, my only pass. You know, I had this long hair, it's curly. I People remember used to always well. say, it's like, you saw your hair so beautiful, and it was like, I just wanted to shave it off. And they said, you might be a dyke, but why would you want to live like one? Why would you want to look mm-hmm. like one? That's what people used to say that kind of shit all the time. Dyke, it was like such a dirty word. It was like the worst you could be. It's like, all right, maybe you're a lesbian, but you don't have to be like butch, you know. Right. And it, we, butch was like the lowest of the low. Like It was the mm-hmm. lowest of the low. Even in the hierarchy of queerness, it was like, you had these like beautiful femme gay guys. That was like, that was cool, beautiful. Then you had like femme gay women. That was cool. That was beautiful. It was sexy, but it was like, to be the butch, it was like ridiculed. And Mm. it's only now that I realised the butch is the most beautiful thing that I could be. This is me. This is what I was born with. And this is the ability that I have to take care and to love in the way that only a person like me can, like the way that what we have. I've learned this because of my partner. Like what she sees in me makes me see it too. Like, Mm. so that's the same the reason I say all this is like I had these realizations not long ago. Not long ago, I'm learning. This was this is like about seven eight years ago. It started to be too painful to hold down. It started to push up out of me. Then like five six years ago, I suffered this like breakdown of sorts and that like, trying to understand what was going on. And then like three four years ago, it's I've started to be uh, since coming out in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. Yeah, 2020, uh, yeah. 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 So about two years before that, I was really, really, really struggling with it. For about a year before that, it was pushing to the surface. I knew something had to change. And then by the time it was time, it's time to kind of come out publicly, that's been the beginning of a happiness I've never, ever, I've never, I've never known. I've never known happiness in my body or in my life the way that I do now. And it might be because of coming out. It might be because of where I'm at in my life. It, it may be many things. But for sure, it's something that I've never known. Not since childhood. Not since before puberty. Can I ask how your family feel about it? Yeah, sure. Um, some of them are amazing. Really, really yeah. good. Like, really good. Really interested. Explaining to their kids that there's not just one of, like, K. Like, there's also many people like this, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Because it's, like, like, it's hard enough to be, like, yeah. you know, I'm not a girl, I'm not a boy. Neither one, both. And for children, especially my nieces and nephews, at a certain time of life, that's you just become obsessed with that. Like that's yeah. you know what I mean? That's like what yeah. are you? And I and in some ways it's a really valuable thing for my beautiful nieces and nephews and kids oh, of I think my in family. all ways. In all ways. It's so yeah. valuable for them to have you in their lives. But like some of my family are but a bit less um on board, like with it. Okay. Yeah, right. We we can say that, but it's a it's a process. It's a journey. We're all learning, you know. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm really interested in you as a writer through all this. Yeah. Um, and you know, that old adage, you write to know yourself, right? So you as, uh-huh. as a young child writing because you needed to, not even understanding what it was. And this idea of pushing down these feelings, I guess what I'm interested in is can you hide yourself when you are a writer? Can you avoid these feelings of shame or fear and still write? I mean, you obviously did. You won fucking every accolade going. Like you were such a successful writer. But how does it work being a writer when you your job is to literally search your soul? Mm. How does that work when you're kind of living in a secret, I suppose? My internal world was always the refuge, the sanctuary. What I was always drawn to in people was the people, the within, the inside. And that's who I write. That's the characters. That's the dialogue. The thing about who I am, my misery, that was just like, this is just a fact of this is just it. I'm okay. I know I know what it's like to have severe depression, for example. And so in those episodes, when I was low or when things were happening or when I was trying to cope with different things, yeah. It was just something that went on in this world, but there's another world, which is the world of ideas. They had to be in this dance with each other, but the world of ideas was in the lead. And the other world, it was like, no matter what happened, no matter how fucked up things were, no matter how bad things got, if I could just get myself to the stage, Mm. just get myself there, it would take care of itself or of me or it was, it's like two worlds. It was completely different worlds. It was like what I did for the work and the ideas. And then the reality of what that left me with at the end of the day, when I got home, like after the tour or after whatever after the play the opening night like yeah then that person that you're left with I just thought that that person would just be a wreck forever I just didn't ever think like that person would be a happy person I didn't even realize that 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 I didn't even realize I wasn't I didn't even know there was another way I didn't even know that I was in a way it just was what it was so this is where I'm at this is me. I didn't know I was repressing until I was like, fuck, I've been fucking repressing for fucking 20 years. But like, that must have been mad to realize, to come to that realization that yeah. there's a whole, a whole you in there that you don't even know yet, really, yeah. because you haven't allowed yourself to, to exist in it. But, but the way I think about writing, right, the way I've always thought about it, when I was a kid and I was suffering... I thought of writing, my lyricism was like a, my older self coming into my head and right. and giving me the words and being like come right. this way this way this way and then as wow. I've got older yeah it was like it was I can I can remember it was this one time I was I did I was in between places to live and I was staying and my friend had this caravan on this site and I was there and I I was like fasting I don't know what I was doing I was, whatever I was trying to get right with myself and um my I was visited it was like I was visited by the this voice and it was I wrote these lyrics and I wrote this poem it was called 13 commandments and and um, the vo- and the and that that voice was in your head the older version it was my of older you. self it was my older Got self you. came into my head told me know yourself and then oh my god as, that's the as line. I've, yeah from the 
from the lyrics. Came lyric, into my yeah. head, told me to know myself. Yeah. Oh my God, Kay. <laughs> yeah. Blowing my mind. Yeah, it's crazy. And then, but then as I've got older, I'm now I'm like, wait, I am that older self, and I'm not going back. I'm not going back in time. I know I'm not. I'm not going back in time and taking that kid. And then it's like, actually, every time I sit down to write, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm going yeah. back there. I'm taking that kid and I'm saying, come this way. I got you. I got you. And then as I start to move into more of myself, I feel that kid and all the things they were carrying and I, I'm, I'm looking after them. And like just like they were looking out for me back then, you know. So it's in this process of writing, it strips away everything. You know, it strips away everything you go to the raw place the true place that's why i can stand up in front of so many different kinds of people who have so many different kinds of experience and i can tell a poem yeah. and that poem can mean a hundred different things to the 100 different people in the room and it can carry all the different significances of everybody's experience and day and the, the environment because we go to a place that's even beyond language but you use language to access the place but the the place is beyond language. It's like, it's the gut, it's the feeling. It's underneath the feet, you know, it's like. It's the window, so, yeah. like you say yeah. in your poem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's and the there's that, That's the line from the song Grace. It reminded me of that line, but if you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. It's like yeah. your future self. It's like deep in your subconscious, you knew that you needed to search for yourself. And oh, it's just so deep that you, you imagined your future self coming back and that was the line that they said was like they said so many know things. yourself know yeah. yourself ah okay so when you did come out publicly in 2020 did that change i think i know what the answer is going to be did that change how you wrote it changed my life k's okay. life k in the but, world yeah but tempest is a different being tempest isn't of the world isn't physical like i don't know where the ideas come from i don't know I don't know where any of it comes from. Like, it just happens. I work with it. I use it. But if we can think of these two things as different, like, Separate. Kay's life yeah. changed. I, I get it. Because Kay was it. really sad. Like, Kay was really fucking miserable. I was ruining all my relationships and I was in a bad place and I was my brain was fucked and everything was fucked. And But Tempest was doing really well. Like, Tempest was smashing it out there, you know, like, everything was fine. And So that moment when Kay and Tempest... And yeah. you come out and you're yeah. like, no, actually, this is who who I've been the whole time. This is who yeah. I've been. Yeah. Hello, here I am. What was that like? Yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful because I think maybe, and this is especially useful, I hope, for anybody on their own journey yeah. of discovery and towards themselves with their gender. It's like I had this fear that everything would fall apart. I thought like I had this crazy fear that, if I told people the truth that I would not I would not have the career that I had, that I wouldn't have the position that I occupied for people of somebody with somebody they could trust, you know, or yeah. poetry that was important to people or I, I just thought it was all gonna it was all gonna crumble. For some reason, this is what I thought. And I think that this is a familiar thing. When I talk to other trans people and other people in the community, it's like in that moment before coming out, whether you're you know, 16, 26, 36, however old you are, 46, 56, at that point in your life when you're like, actually, I'm at capacity and I can't hold this down any yeah. longer. There's all this fear around like the repercussions and then what actually happened for me was like the relief that I felt, the joy that I felt. Like, Not to say this is a simple way of living, like people are often confused by me. I'm often 
a point of ridicule or or conversation or um confusion there's a lot of pain in it you you know that you're causing discomfort to people and just because of who I am I fucking hate doing that so just daily life is there's all these like you know wounds everywhere that you have to navigate your own and other people's gaping fucking wounds so it's not to say it's like a like you know all sunshine and roses but what I can say is that no matter how difficult it gets no matter how painful it can be the pain of repression and of being isolated and of being like disconnected from my community most of all hiding from myself and hiding from my community this being free of that pain is um it's euphoric it's a euphoric feeling mm. you know we say the opposite of gender dysphoria is euphoria gender euphoria being mm. like something that you know i never had experienced i had never experienced that feeling and yeah it's a long journey and i'm so young i'm so fresh in it it used to be that i would see somebody who was like me or who was really living in their truth and yeah. I knew they were like me, whether it was a trans man or it was like butch, dyke, like stud, whoever it was, if I saw them, it used to hurt me. It used to hurt in my heart. It used to hurt because I was like, I was hiding from myself and I would love them, but I, and I was afraid of them and I was jealous of them. And now when I see someone like me, the feeling that I, I just want to kiss them on both <laughs> cheeks and I want to like hold them. I want to like be in their crew and like roll with mm. them and sit with them and talk about all their dreams and aspirations and and laugh and just like kick it i got these friends now these my bruvs you know like my yeah and it's just like i never knew that f finding the freedom to like acknowledge myself would also allow me to find that freedom in other people and and to meet people there where um this place that has always been a place of shame suddenly becomes a place of like joy like beauty, you know, like it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a long, long road. I've been coming to this point for over thirty years, so I'm. I believe that I will be mm. heading out from this point, hopefully, for as long as I live. Like, mm. and I will learn more about this journey as I continue on it. about connection I know so so much of your work revolves around that word how has your sense of connection I suppose to the world changed since since that big change of coming out in 2020 but the thing is what I can say is like for writers often we're outsiders yeah that's that's, that's why we write yeah, yeah because we're not in the middle if we were in the middle of it we wouldn't need to try and work it out all the time because you'd just be in the middle of it, getting on with it. You'd be fine. Because we're not in there. Oh, man. Yeah. We're looking at it like, True. what What are they doing? What? How is it that... Okay, that's what being alive looks like. Let me... How do I understand it? I'm like so drawn to trying to understand. Because I never did understand and I was never understood. So like the thing that gave me understanding was reading a book by somebody I've never met from a place I've never been to about a story of something they made up and suddenly I felt known and I felt connection. I felt like something that I felt so rarely from the real world, like because mm. people don't really connect in a real deep way. It's so surface, it's so cruel, people mm. are so weird, there's so much performance. Like, 
stuff there's rules I don't understand rules of engagement that you get socialized into just being okay with but all in my life I just knew this wasn't deep this wasn't what I wanted but then Mm. musical connection when I started to play music when I started to freestyle suddenly I had this way of connecting with people that was deep deeply felt it was real you know it was like oh this is real that world is fake this world is real so like I wanted connection that deep all the time I didn't want surface connection with anybody it was unsatisfying it was it was insubstantial. It was false. Like it was scary. I still hate being in rooms with these people. I'm like, what? Why yeah. are you behaving like this? Like, why? but <laughs> coming like... out now must even exacerbate that even more because you are living so truthfully in every way. So you must be so much more aware of falseness because of that. The thing is, my primary function has got to be love. That this is just a decision that I made even in the face of um, the fear that comes at you, like, you know, the fear, like, even in the face of all that, like, can my primary, like, motivation be a loving one? So, like, and this is easy for me to say, like, I I know there's a lot of stuff bound up in this about privilege and all these other things, but, like, this is just my philosophy that I've come to over the years. So, like, this thing about connection, it's also about getting myself out of the way, like, getting my own all of the armour that I've taken on, like, just to try and, like, just open that up a little bit and and be like, okay, just try and lean in to where someone else is at before immediately putting my own discomfort on them or their behaviour, where they're at. I don't know. So for me, that's also connection. Like, as I've grown older and I've started to think about you know, the world and life and what people have to go through in their lives mm. in order to function. I have no judgment attached to anybody's positioning in how they engage with the world. Like, I don't know what someone's sure. gone through. We don't know. And to assume that you know what someone's gone through is to immediately um, yeah. fail. Like, <laughs> you've immediately failed in a possibility to connect with somebody. So often I've, I'm encountering these very insensitive people assuming that it's okay to say certain things when they don't know what someone's been through, like what someone's bringing to the table when they right. walk into a room. Like, I think just the bottom line is that patience. And just remember that you don't know shit about people. Like, we're, I'm a writer, so I spend my life trying to work out people. Like, I look at people all the time. I'm obsessed with people. I love people because mm. I never was close. Mm. That's probably why, you know. And the writers I love, they're mm. outcasts, they're misfits. But they write not from anger, but from like yeah. love, Yeah, you know. Um, okay, last question. The change that you would yeah. still like to make for yourself or yeah. for the world around you. Okay, if I could make any change for the world around me, any change. I would I would like to make it possible for all the people that are suffering to have a brief respite from their conditions, ailments, disease, psychosis. I, like if I could actually make any change right now, I would like to make a, like one week where we could just take away pain. Wow. Just for people, you know, just give everybody a week without pain. But like you know, Monday morning would be fucking awful, wouldn't it? When you get to the end of that. <laughs> It'd be the biggest calm of your oh, life. Fuck. Fuck. Can't you just give them um, can't you just give them an eternal respite from pain? Yeah, well, I thought about brief. eternal. Yeah, but then I thought maybe that's too much to ask. Yeah. 
So then I thought, oh, maybe it's okay to say just at least a week then if it's too much. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, if I, if anything, if I could have anything, that would be, that would be it. Just take it just for a minute, like just so people could feel no pain just for a minute. Mm. Like, because, like, you know, just a clean bill of health mm. for us all. But then the thing is, we, that's never going to happen, is it? Well, so that's what this, well, this, that's what this question's it. about. It's good to, it's healthy to wish for it, I think, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's my wish. That's yeah, my yeah, wish, yeah, yeah. Um, can I ask how you deal with the kind of overwhelming, relentless torrent of horrible news and horrible shit that goes on in the world? Again, as a writer, as someone who whose job is to be permeable, whose job is to allow the feelings to come in and out, how do you do that, if at all? Yeah, I've got quite a uh, particular perspective on this because, like, when I was in my early teens, I became like almost religious in my like conspiracy theory right. fascination. Like I, I went deep in like, and I like the the shit that I th was learning about the state of the world back then and about how we'd got to where we were and all of the ways that I was really interested in like kind of international relations and like, how we had got here and colonialism and mm. and like and what had happened and and so. I've been in this mode of like the world is so fucked like right. since I was about 14 and it absolutely did for me by the time I was about 17 I was like fucked that's a burden <laughs> so that's a massive up. burden for a, for a child to have to take on like just what I mean by it is where we're at now and everyone's mm. like oh my god the world's so fucked like oh my god how could it's like I was early or like, or, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah, of course. Do you not know? Like, yeah. look at, look at the world, look at the way that we have decided to relate to each other as a, as a species. And really what I can say is that the more I learn, the more perspective it gives me, you don't have to get caught up in this like panic mill of it. Like, yeah, this is what's happening. Right. The reason things are the way they are is because of the things that have been done. And the things that have been done are there to to learn about and see. And there is historical imprint. It goes back to the beginning of historical record of how we got here. Mm. And there are ways of finding out about this particular moment and and then recent history and, and ancient history and prehistory, talking to other people from other places about their experiences of the same periods. Sure. We're just, this is where we are. Like, this is it. And it's not, it should be, it should come as no surprise to mm. anybody because we've been heading here since at least since I started getting engaged with what the world mm. like I went a bit too far and um found myself in a in this kind of crisis mm. I've clawed my way back out of it and actually I feel like knowledge is key remember this is not the be all and end all mm. this is one moment that has at its back every single moment that's ever been mm. behind it that's how we got here and it's got every single moment that's to come heading out in front of it. Let me ask you about that then. This idea of a loop of repetition going right back to the start of this conversation, the cyclical yeah. way, right? Yeah. And you sat in a caravan trying to conjure up your future self for guidance, for how to live, for how to be. Will you keep doing that? Will you, do you look forward to Kay in the future? Yeah, all the time. All the time. And what does Kay in the future say or feel like? 
I feel like that person, I'm, I'm, head, I'm doing the things that that person has been asking me to do for a long time. I think I'm doing those things now. Right. You know, I feel like I've been not doing those things for a while. I think, I don't know. Who knows? Like, who knows? You could, drop, you could drop dead tomorrow, right now. I could be dead in 20 minutes, you mm. know. Mm. But if all goes well, I'd like that person to have a bit of peace. I don't know. I want to say one more thing and then I'm going to stop talking about it. But what you, what, all this thing about um, the panic of now and the panic and the news feed and the, the world's so fucked and everything, just like, just we're not that important. Yeah. When you, you have to zoom important. out, don't you? You have to zoom out. Like we've done some terrible things to each other. We've done some terrible, terrible things. Yeah. We've got to make some peace in ourselves and with our people about like what's happened like for us in our lives. Mm. But we're not that important in the history of things. Imagine it's all we're all gonna it's all gonna be over, mm. and then like from the this like tiny little speck, something will emerge, and then it'll start again in five billion years. There'll mm. be some other human beings. We'll do it all over again. Hopefully they'll not. Hopefully they won't do it as bad as we've done it. I don't know. These are just my things. The other thing I think about all the time is that if I had if I had a different life. If I had lived in a different place, mm. had known a different friend, had had a different parent, I would have completely different views. Yes. So what are views? They're nothing. It's just what I feel. But tomorrow I could feel something different. And if I had a different conversation with somebody when I was 10 years old, I would have different views. Yeah. So these are just mine and they're nothing. It doesn't mean yeah. anything. There's yeah. no right or wrong. It's like... So anyway. <laughs> so no, just nobody, nobody panic. Everything's Don't right. panic. Everything's going to be okay. Read books. Yeah. Get knowledge. That's the answer. Um, Kate, thank you so much. Thank you for being giving such thoughtful and and wise answers. It was a real privilege to be able to have a have a deep one with you. I really, I really, <laughs> I really appreciate it. Honestly, I really appreciate it. Thank you for being so honest yeah. and generous. Nice one. Yeah, I hope uh, for anyone that stuck with it the whole way. Thanks for being being on board. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks, Annie. So it's, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank nice you. One. Hey Tempest, man. What a wise and thought-provoking conversationalist they are. I have to say that I was so buzzing after that. I felt a bit high after that conversation. I was so kind of, they really stoked my brain in a good way. I kind of felt on the edge of my seat for a lot of the conversation in that kind of way where I was completely transfixed by what they're saying. I'm very grateful to them for being so forthright about their personal life um, and I think it will and I hope it will help a lot of people listening to uh, look at the world in a different way or if you know anyone who is trans or non-binary um, to kind of yeah just to, to relate to them that bit better goes without saying spread this conversation far and wide anyone who you think kind of needs to hear this spread it to them and anyone who you think would really appreciate and feel seen by it then yeah just anything you can do in terms of spreading it would be so appreciated and you must if you haven't already go and check out Kay's work so divisible by itself and one is the new book of poems that came out at the end of April go check their music as well the line is a curve is the most recent album that came out last year there's a new single nice idea and also that new EP forthcoming so so much work to kind of dive into with regards to Kay Tempest I wish you the most wonderful journey consuming that work if you haven't already it would be so appreciated if you could press subscribe and get these changes episodes into your inbox every Monday morning 
And just thanks for listening. So grateful to have you with us if you are one of our regular listeners week in, week out. Even if you just come across this, thanks for giving us your time. It means loads. All right. See you next week. <laughs>